Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. Proverbs 31. Won't be on the screen today till we get those fixed in the Black Pew Bible. Proverbs 31 is on page 552. 552. Happy Mother's Day. Well, once upon a time, there was uh, a little girl, and the little girl noticed that her mother had a few gray hairs appearing on her head. And so the little girl said, Mommy, why is that? Why is it that you have those gray hairs on your head? And the mom thought she'd be clever, and the mom said, Well, because, because, explained the mother, uh, every time you do something bad or naughty or, and make me unhappy, one of my hairs turns white. A little child, little girl thought for a moment. And she said, is that why all of grandma's hair is all white? You must have been a really naughty child. When I didn't come here, or when I came here, I, I didn't have any grays in my beard. You must have been a really naughty church. Oh, Wait. I must have been a really naughty pastor. No. Jokes aside, uh, it's great to, to be able to talk about Mother's Day. And uh, of course, we all, we all gray. Proverbs says it's a, it's a sign of wisdom. And so we're going to talk about wisdom today. I want to ask you this question. What advice did you receive from your mother? What advice did mom give? Some of you had mothers that gave you good advice, or maybe it was advice that came like, all, like again and again and again. You're like, Mom, you tell me that all the time. I, I know that. I, I hear that. What advice did your mother give? As we turn to Proverbs 31, I want, you to show, I want to show you a mother's advice, a mom's advice that contains two warnings, two warnings and some advice. Proverbs 31, verses 1 through 9. This section of Proverbs begins this way. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So his mom taught him this, mother's advice. Verse 2, what are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing? Son of my vows, son that my prayers had prayed for and you were born as a result of prayer. What, what are you doing? Listen to her advice. Verse 3, don't give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. Listen to her advice. It's not for kings, oh Lemuel, it's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what's been decreed, and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing, and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink, and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more. Listen to her advice to her son. Verse 8, Open your mouth for the mute, 
be a voice for the voiceless, for the rights of all who are destitute, passing away. Verse 9, open your mouth. Judge righteously, rightly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Proverbs 31 begins with a mother's advice. A mother instructs her son and gives him warnings, two warnings. She warns her son about wayward women and wine. Warning, I warn you, O son, about wayward women. They'll lead you down a wrong path. They'll bring you astray. Proverbs has already warned numerous times against that. But she also warns him against wine, against alcohol. She's warning him against the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. She instructs her son about wayward women and wine, or if you wanted to give it A's, about adultery and alcohol, affair and alcohol. And Isn't this still true today? I mean, those are things that just destroy us. When people get addicted, whether it's alcohol or pot, that's all in our community. Come and go with Josh as we go give out food boxes door at the door. You'll grow accustomed to the smell. I guess the cops just, maybe they look the other way or something. I don't, maybe it's in such small amount. There's, there's meth. There's all sorts of things that, that people can become addicted to and things that just destroy them, their life. But also in our community, there is when, you know, people that get caught up following women that destroy. Verse 3. So she warns her son, and then she reminds him of his responsibility. Look in verse 8 and 9. She says, this is your responsibility. You're to work for justice. You're to advocate righteousness. I mean, that's what we need. We've got too many people going after the, the wrong things. They, they've, I, I see them. I mean, they've destroyed their families. They've, because of substance, whatever that is, and or a person, and man, it's just don't be led astray is what she's saying. Warning, warning, that's still true today. But, O King Lemuel, this is what you need to do. Give your attention to this. Being a voice for the voiceless, for the rights of those who are destitute, they're passing away. Maybe they don't have father or mother, and so you, you adopt, or as some are doing, or you foster, or you, you, know, you speak up, or you, you look after the needs. You judge righteously, you defend the rights of the poor, and the needy. Good advice, the mother's advice. Look at verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. Who is King Lemuel? We don't know. We don't know. He's a king, but some kind of king perhaps. Some say maybe he's a, an Arabian king. But we do know this, that this leader needed godly advice. This leader needed wisdom. And we all do. And that's what Proverbs is all about. We all need godly wisdom. And Proverbs is wisdom literature. When you open to that book, that's, that's what it is. It was written in a different way. It was to give wisdom, to impart wisdom. It basically shows us how to live wise and how to live well. Look, this is how you live wise. This is, wise. This is how you live well. And it shows us that to fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so we continue in the book of Proverbs and we move down to verse 10. Now as you look at Proverbs 10... Uh, 31, 10 through 31, you, you know that passage. It's the passage about the virtuous woman, the, the godly woman. Well, we don't know if the original author of verses 10 and following are this, like, is that King Lemuel or not? It, it may be, it may not be. It's different right here. There's this break. 
What happens in verse 10 through 31 is, is different. It becomes an acrostic. You know what an acrostic is? Like we used to do it in, in youth group. I would take a name like Eric or, or a mandolin and then write something encouraging. A-M-A-N-D-E-L-Y-N. You know, making an acrostic out of that. And that's what they're doing with all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so this is something that could be memorized. This is something that the people could go to and say, I know what uh, a godly woman's life looks like. This is the question though. Is this a real woman or not? If it's a real woman, she's upper class because the text shows that she's upper class. But maybe it's not a real woman. Maybe it's a personification of wisdom. This is wisdom personified if wisdom was a, a woman. Or if the godly woman, the godly wife was personified, ideally this is what she would look like. We could ask this question, is this an exaggeration to make a point, to emphasize a point? Or, or is there a comparison concept here? I mean, when we would play that little game, you know, in youth group with the, the letters and we would write them out. I mean, if I was writing a mandolin, you know, I would write something like amazing, uh, magnificent, attractive. I mean, I would, I'd be stupid to take a letter and put something like bad, you know. So in this, we're looking at all the, the great virtues, all the things that are honorable and, and praiseworthy. It's strikingly similar to Psalm 111 in its construction or in its layout. Psalm 111 is a, is a hymn of praise to God. And this copies some of the construction and some of the layout as it's a, it's a hymn of praise to a, a godly woman. And so I want us to look at it today. Let's look at this acrostic. Let's read it. Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She's far more precious than jewels. That was the first letter. The next letter. The heart of her husband Trust in her, and he'll have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax, and she works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. See, she would have been upper class if she, if she is... Uh, a real woman. She considers a field and buys it. That had been upper class. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength. She makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. Those were like sewing tools. She opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. The Hebrew can also mean uh, they're, they're uh, double thick. They're clothed in double thickness. Not afraid of snow when you're dressed appropriately. Verse 22, she makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs. She can smile at the days to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. Aren't you thankful for godly moms and their wisdom? The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household. Praise the Lord. And she doesn't eat the bread of idleness. Her children therefore rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also. And he praises her. Many women 
have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, it's deceptive. And beauty is vain. But a woman who fears Yahweh, capital L-O-R-D, the Lord, Jehovah, a woman who fears and respects and honors Jehovah God is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. In this acrostic, we learn a whole lot of positive three things, great things about a godly woman. I want to give some to you. There'll be a lot of them. I had them on the screen, but you'll just have to listen. I see this. She is valuable. She's valuable. It says this in verse 10, an excellent wife who can find she's far more precious than jewels. She's valuable. She's more precious than jewels. A godly mom, a godly wife, a godly woman is valuable. Number two, she's capable. It says in verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her. Why? Because she's fully capable. He will have no lack of gain. I see in verse 11 that she's trustworthy. The heart of her husband trusts in her. She's valuable. She's capable. She's trustworthy. She's supported. The heart of her husband trusts in her, verse 11 says, and he will have no lack of gain. She's supportive of him. I see in verse 12 this quality that she's beneficial. It says she does him good. She's beneficial to the family. She does him good and not harm. How many of us see moms today that they're not benefiting their children, they're not benefiting the family, but this woman's beneficial. She's also benevolent. She's doing good, verse 12. She does good, not harm, all the days of her life. If you look down in verse 20, it says that she's benevolent because she opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hand to the needy. Verse 13, we see that she's diligent. She seeks wool and flax and she works with willing hands, diligent hands. We see in verse 14 that she's vigorous. She rises while it is yet night. Are you thankful for that? Women that will get up early and before the sun comes up because they're you know, going to work to provide or going to the schools to teach or, or they're doing something that's profitable for their family, making lunches. I don't know. You, you know it. all the godly mothers and grandmothers and women in their life and how you've seen them do this. Vigorous. Verse 17 says, She dresses herself with strength. She makes her arms strong. In verse 15, I see this again too, that she's devoted, rising when it's night, providing food for her household, portions for her maidens. So also we could say in verse 15, she's sacrificial, providing the food, not just household, but even the servants. Verse 16 she considers a field and buys it, and with the fruit of her hand she plants a vineyard. She's sacrificial, but also she's profitable. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. We see this quality in verse 19. She's industrious. She puts her hands to the distaff. Her hands holds the spindle. And down in verse 24, she makes linen garments and she sells them and she delivers sashes to the merchant. Verse 20 shows us that she's thoughtful, opening the hand to the poor, reaching out her hands to the needy. She's thinking of them. She's thoughtful. Aren't you thankful for godly women that do that? She's generous, opening that hand. Verse 21 and 22, I see that she's tenacious. She's not afraid of snow for her household. Why? Because they're clothed in scarlet. They're, they're doubly covered. Verse 22, she makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. She's dressed well. In that, 
Verse 21 shows me that she's confident. She's not afraid of snow. She's, she's doing all these things so she can stand confidently. Verse 22 and 25, I see that she's dignified. I mean, we see that she's covered her bed coverings for herself. She's clothed in fine linen and, and purple. But verse 25 says this about her clothing that's more important. Strength and dignity are her clothing. She can smile at the days to come. She can laugh at the, at the days to come because she has this, this godly faith. She's dignified. Verse 26 shows us that she's wise. She's wise. She opens her mouth and wisdom comes out. Verse 26 shows us that she's kind. The teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And so it leads us to verse 30. Charm is deceitful. That's deceptive. You can't just measure a woman by looks. Beauty is in vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised, to be admired. So she's admirable in all these things. Even in verse 28 and 30 and 31, we see that she's praiseworthy. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. He can. She's praiseworthy. Verse 30, she, she fears the Lord. That's to be praised. Verse 31, give her the fruit of her hands. Let her works praise her in the gates. I'm thankful for women that have these attributes and these qualities and characteristics and we, we need to see more, right? Because so many, they're, they're not concerned about being a Proverbs 31 woman. But the most important one is found in verse 30 when it says this, a woman who fears the Lord. I'm thinking of the last one, that she's godly. She's godly. Without that verse, without the fear of the Lord, this is just nice advice, isn't it? It's secular advice. Any, any counselor would say, yes, be all of those things. Uh, be, be valuable and capable and trustworthy and supportive and beneficial and benevolent and diligent and vigorous and devoted and sacrificial and profitable and industrious and thoughtful and generous and tenacious and confident and dignified. Yes, be wise and kind and that'll be admirable and praiseworthy, but if we take away the fear of the Lord, it's just, it's just good secular wisdom. This is what makes it fully spiritual, deeply Spiritual, And it actually takes us back to the theme of the book in chapter 1, verse 7, which says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what Proverbs is all about. This is how to live wise and to live well. Fear the Lord. And so the book ends taking us right back to that, 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 that she fears the Lord. We see what it's really about. It's motherhood and womanhood. It's, it's not about her achievement. It's not about her ability. Although those things are great. It's not about achievement and ability. It's about the heart. It's about the character. It's about reverence for God. I don't know what it's like to be a woman and read that. Ladies, do you ever read Proverbs 31 and it kind of stress you out? Like, I can't be all those things. Like, how do you do all of that, right? You think, well, goodness, I can't be perfect. Maybe it wasn't a real woman. Maybe it was those A, B, you know, C to, to, to say, hey, this is what we're to aim for and to shoot for. But no, no mother's perfect. No mother lives the perfectly wise life. No human does. And that's why we need the grace of Jesus. Amen? And there is the grace of Jesus. Jesus knew we couldn't live perfectly, so He came and lived perfectly for us. That's the gospel, right? That, that we could never keep it all and, and do everything perfect, but Jesus was perfect for us. Jesus taught perfectly. Jesus lived perfectly for us. That's the gospel. So I hope that when you read this and when you hear this, that the stress is, is gone because you know that 
Well, it's, it's the ideal wisdom literature to aim for, but, but Christ is what's so important that we fear the Lord Jesus, that we know Him as Savior. Now we know that Jesus is greater than Solomon. Jesus is greater than the wisdom of Solomon and the wisdom of King Lemuel and all the others. We know that Jesus is greater than Proverbs. Jesus Himself said so in Luke chapter 11 when He said these words. He said, now someone greater than Solomon is here. Are you thankful for Jesus, the, the greater, the one that fulfilled all this? The greater Solomon, Jesus, has come. And so today I, I kind of want us to change channels, right? This is kind of a, a sermon that's a little bit all over the place. But I, I want us to look at Proverbs 31, but now I want us to change the channel and go to the New Testament. Okay, I want us to go to Jesus. I want us to go to the greater Solomon. And I want to give you some extra things to think about on Mother's Day. I want to I give you family life according to Jesus. And if I could just go one chapter and, and pick up on it, maybe the best one to go to would be Matthew chapter 19. So if you have your Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter 19 in the New Testament, page 824. Let's see what the greater Solomon, the ultimately wise Savior and Lord, has to say about family life. I want to show you four main things. I want you to think about this on this Mother's Day. I want you to think, number one, think about this, number one, that Jesus taught physical life comes one way. Jesus taught this, letter A, that physical life comes one way. Physical life comes because of a male and female. Now, do we need to go back to like health class and, you know, you, you understand how physical life comes? It, become, it, it comes because of a male and a female, and that is good, and that is right, and that is by God's design, and, and it's, it's perfect. Can you think of, I don't know if life doesn't come, like there's no other way. It, you know how it takes, okay? Like we're, we're not going to get into biology, but you understand that. Jesus taught it. Physical life comes one way, because of a male and female, born by a female. Like I'm, I'm not, I don't get on the news and go, I think it is so sexist that, that women get to have the children and that I don't. And so that is oppressive. You are oppressing me. I'm, and, uh, you know, I, like, I, it's just natural. Like, we're all going, duh, but, like, our society kind of needs to, like, it, physical life comes one way. Every person is born of woman, like natural or C-section. I really don't know any other ways. Like, we do artificial insemination, but it's still male and female, right? You understand, like, physical life comes one way. Male and female, born by a female, a mother. Jesus taught this. You could see Matthew eleven eleven. You could see John's gospel. All those born of women, you know, John. This is this is natural, and this is not narrow minded. This is by design. You really don't. Nobody's saying this. Oh, it's narrow minded. They understand this is by design. So it leads me to letter B. Jesus taught letter A. Physical life comes one way, but Jesus also taught letter B that spiritual life comes one way, and that's by design. And it's not narrow-minded. If we know that physical life comes one way, why do so many people think, it, oh, it's so narrow-minded to say that spiritual life uh, can only come one way? That's the way God made it. Spiritual life comes one way. It's not narrow-minded. It's by design. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You have to be born again. And there's one way to be born again. Jesus was saying, I'm the only way to the Father. I love what Pastor Tony Marita said. He actually put this thought into my head, and I love it. This is what he said, and I quote, We all came into the earth by one way. 
why do people think it's so bad to believe we can get into the new earth by one way? Right? What Jesus taught. There's one way to spiritual life. And it's, it's Christ. We have to remember that. Point number two in the New Testament, we see this truth. Jesus taught, honor your father and mother. So it's right to do Mother's Day. I wonder when they'll take it away. Right? Uh, it's right to honor our fathers. You know the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And did you notice that it was the first one that makes the turning point from vertical with God to horizontal with others? Right? You know the commandments. You've studied them. The first are all about, about vertical and about God. But then the last few are, are all about horizontal. But the first one that deals with the horizontal, by God's design, He said to honor your father and mother. You can see it in Matthew 19, 19, where Jesus quotes it to the rich young man, honor your father and mother. Jesus quotes this commandment. The Apostle Paul quotes this commandment. And it's just as important now as when it was written. Amen? It's so important for today, just as important now as it was then, and what I think is we need to practice it. It's so foundational. And when a society breaks down here, it eventually breaks down. And that's what we're seeing every day on the news. That's what we're seeing in our society. When you break down and honor your father and mother, one, they may not be honorable, but then you don't, you don't do it. You have no honor for your father and mother. Man, everything breaks down. And you see where our culture and our society is, is headed, but Jesus taught it. Jesus would say it's perfectly right on Mother's Day to honor the moms, to talk about the ideal, godly, virtuous woman. And, and this, is, this is by design. And we need to honor godly women. Jesus taught physical life it comes one way and spiritual life is no different. Spiritual life comes one way. It's by design. It's not narrow-minded. It's the way it is. Number two, Jesus said, honor your father and mother. And I want you to see as you look all in Matthew 19, that number three, that Jesus taught, God designed, and God instituted truths. Jesus taught, God designed, and God instituted gender, family, marriage, motherhood, etc., etc., etc. In Matthew 19, if you were to just look at Jesus' teaching, Jesus points to number one, gender distinction. Look at uh, the first few verses of Matthew 19. Chapter, one says, uh, or chapter 19, verse 1 says, Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, He went away from Galilee, and He entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed Him, and He healed them there. And the Pharisees came up to Him and tested Him. They're, they're always trying to test Him and trick Him and catch Him in something. Asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? For any cause. You just, you know, she... Messed up the eggs or something. Any cause, is it, is it lawful? Listen to what Jesus says, verse 4. He answered, Have you not read that He who created them from the beginning made them male and female? Jesus says, Have you not read? Jesus quotes the book of Genesis. And Jesus here teaches God designed and God instituted gender distinction. There's no trans, there's no fluid. We don't get to decide in the beginning God made them male and female. And we just have to teach those truths today, right? We have to have those conversations even at, you know, at home. That, that's crazy, but that's what God designed. It's, it's the way it is. Jesus points to gender distinction. 
he points to parenthood consisting of a mother and a father. Look at how he continues. Verse 4, Have you not read that He who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. That's the divine institution that we all have a father and a mother. Not just donors, but a father and mother. But by design, eventually on a Mother's Day, you have to leave your father and mother. And he says, therefore a man will leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. So just in the, in the verses, you already see Jesus is teaching gender distinction. Jesus teaches parenthood that consists of a father and mother. Not two dads and two moms, but parenthood of a father and, and mother. And that even not a single mom trying to struggle to raise a kid. So, I mean, thank God for that. But, or grandparents trying to raise kids. But that's not the, in, the intended design is a, a father and a mother raising the children. Jesus points to this marriage between one man and one woman for life. You know, just you know, divorce for any reason. Now they, as the text goes on, he, he they get into this. Well, you know, because of adultery, there was this certificate that Moses permitted divorce, and we're not going to get into all that. But that's the context. You can read it later on. But I want to show you what Jesus is teaching. God designed, instituted gender, family, marriage, motherhood. He goes on though, and he even teaches this. Uh, Jesus teaches that, and he emphasizes this: that there is such a thing as the single celibate life as an option, and really as a gift from God. Celibacy is a spiritual gift. Look at verses uh, 11 and 12. He says, But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it's given. For there are eunuchs who've been so from birth. There are eunuchs who've been made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs, there are those who choose the single celibate life who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. He says, but not every, everybody can receive this. It's a gift to those whom it's been given. So Jesus even shows that. As you look at Matthew 19, Jesus shows us this, the importance and value of children. Look at verses 13 through 15. Then children were brought to Him, that He might lay His hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to Me. He, he taught they were valuable and important. Let them come to me and don't hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and he went away. Jesus taught this. Jesus taught honoring your father and your mother, as I said. Go down in verse 19, look at the conversation with the rich young ruler. You know the commands, honor your father and mother. And so we have to remember this. Jesus taught these truths, and we're to teach these truths, even though everything in our society is going to go countercultural, you know, to all of these things, that, that we remember it. Remember God's design. Honor the divine institution, all of it, all parts and aspects of it. The last thing I want you to see from the New Testament on this Mother's Day is this, is that number four, Jesus taught and emphasized spiritual ties. Jesus taught and emphasized spiritual ties. Flip back to Matthew chapter 12. I want to look at Matthew chapter 12 in the last several verses, verses 46 through 50. You see, Jesus emphasized letter A, our kin, but Jesus also emphasized letter B, our spiritual kin. He emphasized our little B bloodline, 
But he also emphasized our big B bloodline, right? The blood of Jesus Christ that, that unites all of us. So we're, we have kin, but we also have spiritual kin. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 46. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You see, Jesus emphasized our spiritual ties. If you went back to Matthew 19 and you looked at verse 29, you would see him say this to Peter when Peter says, We've left our, our families for you, Jesus. What will happen in Jesus and Matthew 1929 says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Jesus says, look, those of you that, that you've said, I, the family of God is most important and I've, I've kind of left mom. I can't be with mom on Mother's Day or my father or my children. You've told the children, I'm going on a mission trip. And wh whatever sacrifices you make with your you know, little B bloodline for the big B bloodline, Jesus says, that will be remembered in the kingdom of God. But Jesus Himself said, look, these are, the, these are the ones that are my mothers and brothers. They're the ones that do the will of God. So Jesus is teaching this, that the church is family, that we're family, that we're spiritually tied together and that that's important that that shouldn't be neglected, our, our spiritual kin. As we close today, I kind of want to end with that, that, that being a part of the family of God is most important. And so I invite you to, to know the gospel, to know Jesus as Savior and as Lord. And so as we close, I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes, and Brother Andrew's going to come and we're going to respond, and you can pray, and you can thank the Lord for things, but I, I want you to hear Jesus' words and to hear the gospel. And I want you to, to know that today, if you're not a Christian, you can become a Christian. And I, I just want you to hear three words. See, turn, and receive. That's what it means to become a Christian. To see, to turn, and to receive. Remember when the Apostle Paul was on the Damascus Road, and Jesus, who had raised from the dead and had ascended into heaven, he appears to Paul. And Paul on that Damascus road, Acts 26 verse 15 says, and Paul says, And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen in me and to those in which I will appear to you delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. Hear this verse. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. When Jesus commissions Paul, he says, you're going to go and preach the gospel. He basically says, you're going to tell them and you're going to invite them to see, to turn, and to receive forgiveness in that place in the family of God. And so if you're not a Christian, I invite you to that today.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.